that was a turning point for me. Um, when that happened, I I stopped everything uh, and and rethought everything. And from that time, uh, I focused much more intently on building relationships and and continuing those relationships. Thank you for joining us for this episode of General Order 4. On today's episode, I do an interview with Chad Justice, who is a missionary in the Dominican Republic. Hello and welcome to this episode of General Order 4. And on today's episode, I'm going to be doing an interview uh, with Brother Chad Justice, who is a missionary in the Dominican Republic. And uh, so, Brother Chad, if you want to just introduce yourself, tell the audience what it is that, you, that you're doing in the Dominican and uh, a little bit about the field and the work that you've got going on. My wife and I have been privileged to serve in the Dominican Republic for 12 years now. And um, we have done different things over the course of time. We're a part of a team ministry, and uh, my wife's taught in our Christian school that, that our, our team started back in 2009, and um, I've done a lot of different uh, projects, leading projects uh, as, as kind of a project manager for the ministry, um, and about seven years ago, we began working with couples uh, through small group ministry of our church, and um, really the past two or three years, uh, through what we've learned uh, in in small group ministry uh, through the relationships that we've built, um, our our ministries have kind of transitioned to uh, a lot more relation focused uh, ministry. Um, we've always had uh, a desire to make disciples, um, and we we kind of feel like over time we've we've gotten better at understanding that process and. Uh, relationships are are key to to building disciples and investing in people's lives. That's awesome. And uh, Brother Chad and I are actually in Volusia County uh, right now. We're at a church together in a mission conference. And uh, he was speaking in the Sunday school class that uh, he and I were both in. And he told an interesting story about some things that, that had happened while they were in the Dominican that kind of brought him to a different understanding of the importance of discipleship in the lives of people and in the ministry of the church. And I wanted him to be able to share some of that with you um, because it was good for me to hear. And uh, so if you would um, kind of explain how you got to where you were in the beginning of that story and then tell that story uh, for my audience. And I think that would be helpful for them to kind of understand contextually how you were brought to the ideas that you currently hold about discipleship. Sure. Uh, Our ministry, we have uh, have had the mantra of, of discipleship for... Uh, for a long time, it's been a focus of, of our team, our entire team's ministry. Um, but for me personally, uh, I always kind of had doubts of how much impact I was actually having uh, on on different people's lives on an individual level. And you know, we we had different uh, leadership positions over time, and and that that built a bridge for us to be able to invest in people and. Um, people come to us for counsel and those type of things. Um, but after after the relationships began deepening in our small group ministry, um, we we kind of noticed a trend of as we get closer to people, as we spend more time with people, 
caring about their their individual struggles, the things that they're facing in life, uh, they open up to us. And as as I was leading projects and 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 doing um, doing more task related work that that was for the ministry and and necessary, um, I, I was trying to find ways that I could introduce uh, relational ministry into what I was going to be doing anyway uh, in in the midst of those projects. And uh, I, I took interest in, in a young man named Chi-Chi. That was his nickname. Uh, and, and the Dominican uh, Chi-Chi is uh, a little baby, uh, an infant. Um, and that, that became his nickname and it stuck with him. Uh, he worked on a lot of our ministry building projects. Uh, he was very skilled in, in, in laying block and uh, doing stucco work uh, and very, very energetic, very hard worker. And I, I began pulling him in uh, to teach him some, some welding uh, skills uh, so that he could learn a new skill. Uh, it was something that he, he showed an interest in. And, um, and he really took off uh, as, as a welder. And I began trying to find uh, excuses to, to put him to work mm-hmm. and trying to give him uh, extra extra income, uh, essentially meeting his his personal needs, and and as I was spending more time with him, trying to uh, integrate conversations just in life, trying to bridge those connections uh, between spiritual truths and, and the life that we're living, uh, and provided spiritually uh, based answers or biblically based answers to. Uh, things that that he was going through or facing, um, and I began investing in his life. Um, he didn't he didn't accept Christ right away. Uh, he was unsaved, um, and over time he he softened up to to the work of Christ on, on the cross for his sins. And um, I remember the day that he he accepted Christ, um, and he came to my house extremely excited, overjoyed, mm-hmm. uh, wanting to share that information with me, wanting to share the story, to share the news, uh, because he knew that I would, I would celebrate with him. Um, and that was, that was an amazing day. Um, and, you know, in our churches, we focus on, on soul winning. We focus on evangelism. And that is obviously biblically, uh, biblically sound, obviously sure. critical, mm-hmm. uh, to ministry. But, um, I wasn't quite ready for for what happened next. Uh, about a year went by, and and I didn't lose contact with Chi Chi, but I, I I was I was working a little bit less with him. Uh, he was getting other work opportunities, and, and I wasn't spending as much time around him. Uh, and I didn't make the effort to be honest uh, to be around him. Um, and I got a phone call one day and found out that Chi Chi had been murdered. Um, mm. It was, it was kind of a shock, um, kind of a, a sledgehammer to the chest type feeling. Um, mm. Just it impacted me so much because I wasn't ready for it. I, 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 it never crossed my mind that something like field, that could happen. You know, um, you know, he he made a wrong decision. He um, he followed or he, he went along with uh, an old friend of his. Um, to to a bar, a friend from his old life, um, that he he was going to that bar to have his friends back in some sort of conflict, um, and and not very many people knows actually what happened. I, I don't know all the details, uh, 
Um, but that night, in the midst of the conflict, Chi-Chi was, was killed uh, and his friend got away. And what stuck with me um, was the question that, that likely many people would have is, did I do enough? Could I have done something that would have changed the trajectory of, of Chi-Chi's decision in that moment? Uh, that would have kept him, kept him from losing his life that night, um, and and I felt like I had failed. I failed to invest in him in bringing him to maturity in Christ. And we we have different activities in our, in our ministry in our church, uh, trying to uh, make those connections, helping people to grow in Christ and, and to become stronger, more mature disciples in Christ. Um, but that was a turning point for me. Uh, when that happened, I, I stopped everything uh, and, and rethought everything. And from that time, uh, I focused much more intently on building relationships and, and continuing those relationships. Uh, it's not that I could have done something to change what the outcome was, and and I don't pretend uh, to to think that my investing in him would have changed that decision that night. But um, but it was it was an impact to me mm-hmm. that we have to invest in people's lives. Uh, bringing them to the cross is the first step, but it's not the last step. Mm-hmm. We we are called as believers to grow into the transformed image of Christ, Christ living through us and, right. and making those transformations in our life. And, and that's, that's discipleship. Right. Sure. So the, <clears throat> it took an experience for you that we would view as negative, um, to kind of give you a wake up call as it were to the needs of people post salvation. I mean, I think it's something that we all know somewhere and we have like a head knowledge of it. Um, but seeing that sometimes come to the forefront and make it a reality in our lives to where we actually start to do something about people once they get saved. Where do they go? What happens to them after that? And uh, once we some, sometimes some of us need a, a bit of a wake up call on that. And I know that happened for me as well. And um, so for you in, in what have you tried to change about your own personal ministry. I know you're involved with a team and there's a lot of other things that are going on in that ministry um, there in the Dominican, but what are some things that you've done personally um, to work as after someone gets saved to continue to develop the relationship with that person? And I know that kind of like what you talked with the Chi Chi, that you continue to do that with other people where you've brought them in to work on projects and things and then use that as an avenue to get the gospel to them. Um, but um, what areas have you kind of implemented in your own life so that you can continue a relationship with someone and then bring them into the fold, so to speak, and begin to teach and disciple them? Well, I think for me, what, what I did is I essentially continued doing what, what I had started doing um, because I was still involved in the same uh, ministry activities. I was still working on projects. Um, and so I, I, I began... Uh, Seeking out who might be in need of, of work, uh, interested in learning to uh, learning some new trades, um, and and pulling them in on projects and and spending more time around them. Um, I would say one of the things that that did change is that I I 
had less focus on making progress on the project. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes we would, um, in in the eyes of some, we would waste a lot of time sure. uh, chatting because we would hit uh, hit a topic that that was important in their life, um, and and I I gave the time necessary to to talk through mm-hmm. those things. So when when there's an opportunity that that arises uh, that that's a, some sort of a, a a struggle in their life, some sort of a, a trial that they're going through, something that they're having trouble knowing how to respond to. Um, we we kind of take a, a pause and and address it fairly uh, in depth as much as we can in the moment, um, using scripture, uh, talking through uh, passages, um, and and throughout the day as we continue working. Uh, talking as we work and continue uh, talking through those principles and how they apply. Um, and so there's there's a lot of different ways that, that this could uh, potentially apply to, to different scenarios. Uh, for me, that was what I was doing. I think we have to find a way to, to show people that we're uh, interested in their life, mm-hmm. showing them that care and compassion, um, that concern, and if they have needs, it's it's in a sense it's easier because through that need or through whatever struggle they're going through that they need a little bit of encouragement through, mm-hmm. it is the opportunity to to pause whatever you have going on, sure, and and meet with them where they are. In the need that they're going through, uh, encouraging them, giving them biblical counsel, um, and and showing them that you care. Later, they come back. Mm-hmm. Whenever they have a problem, they come back to you. Right. Um, whenever there's a free moment, they want to talk to you. Why? Because they know that you care about. And you've them. invested in them. You have invested in them, and, and they know that that you want. God's best for them mm-hmm. because they've grown to understand that sure. through through the interactions. Now you're not the pastor of the church that you're in, is that correct? Correct. So that being said, the temptation a lot of the time for people in a church, even active members of a church, when someone comes to them with a serious or maybe not so serious, but serious to them issue um, that they need help with or you know, that they just need to talk through. The temptation is to say, okay, um, well, why don't we set up a time for you to talk to the pastor? You know, mm-hmm. and um, that is okay. I mean, it's not wrong per se, um, but it is good for people, I think, to be able to get an answer from somebody that they know, that they trust, that perhaps led them to the Lord, that um, they already have an established rapport with, and you want everybody to get to the point where they have that with their pastor, you know. Mm-hmm. But someone who's a new believer, they don't, they may not, may or may not really know the pastor, but the guy that led them to the Lord, they know and they trust that person, mm-hmm. right? And um, so you're talking about people in the Dominican Republic who live in a completely cult- different culture than ours, um, but they have the exact same issues. You know, their particular issues, details might be different. Mm-hmm. But the answers come from the same book and come from the same spirit. And you're answering them in the same way that you would if they were here in the States having the same problems, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're people. So 
talk to us a little bit um, to the listener. Most of my listeners live in English speaking countries. Um, so talk to our listeners a little bit about some of the cultural differences and then how that applies or doesn't apply to scriptural discipleship as you see it. One of the, one of the benefits that we have in the Dominican Republic is um, oftentimes people are ready to recognize the needs that they have. Um, they don't typically have um, the, I call it American pride um, mm-hmm. of self-sufficiency sure. and that, that causes people to kind of clam up and, and not be open um, about struggles that they're going through because they want to be a burden on someone else or they don't want someone else to think that they're begging or, or you know whining about something. Um, the Dominicans are, are, are very good about uh, being open and being transparent. Uh, and that's not to say that they're going around uh, whining. I'm not saying that. But they are willing to share. Mm-hmm. They're willing to share their life with you. Perhaps a bit more social than we are. Sometimes uh, a lot more social. Uh, and sometimes they, they're a little more open than, than you would be comfortable with uh, in other scenarios. Um, but that particular culture has helped me to have more more interaction, more relational interaction, more opportunity to to dig in with them and whatever they're going through because mm-hmm. they're they're willing to talk through it. Um, and th- there's a lot of me being uh, an American uh, living there. There's there's a lot of respect typically given to Americans, um, and so I have that benefit that they are willing to listen mm-hmm. to what I have to say, at least to hear me out. They might not agree with everything or not understand where I'm coming from sometimes um, at first, but um, they're willing to listen. And so they're willing to open that door uh, and, and willing to listen to, to what I have to say. Um, and my, you know, I have to be careful about not racing ahead of them, mm-hmm. but because the, the goal isn't me telling them how they should do things or telling them how uh, they should live their life because at the end of the day it's a personal decision of theirs right uh, I have to go along with them to help them to see what the next step is mm-hmm. to help them to see with their own eyes um, what the Lord would have them do in in a certain situation um, you know I can't make the decision for them um, and I think that's an error that that everybody falls into maybe because of uh, trying to be time efficient or, or not not spending the time. Um, they want to give someone a quick answer and you, know, you should look at it this way and, and that's mm-hmm. it. Well, everyone has to be convinced in their own in their own conscience uh, of the decisions that they make, and if they if they make it because you told them to. Um, it's not. It's not wholehearted. We mm-hmm. wouldn't expect someone. Um, we would maybe con- be concerned about someone who, who prayed the sinner's prayer, just repeating someone else's words. Uh, we would want to know that they understood, mm-hmm. that they they wholeheartedly believed in faith. Um, but but with our advice, sometimes we we want them to just. We want them to hear the right answer and and accept it, just right. just accept it. But they have to be convinced of it, and it takes time. 
um, it takes time to help someone to see. Uh, it, it's more of helping them to lift their own blinders uh, sure. through the light of, of God's Word um, than just telling them the right answer. Yeah, and one of the things that we've talked about on this podcast is the progression of growth um, because Scripture talks about when someone first gets saved, they're newborn babes desiring the sincere milk of the Word, right? Mm-hmm. So um, the Lord compares that person to a baby, and then eventually get, they get to the point where they can eat meat, and right. it says strong meat, you know? Um, so that person has growth in their life, and so there, if there's a progression, there's a baby's phase, there's a toddler phase, there's a child phase, there's a young adult phase, there's a grown adult phase of, of that process, right? Mm-hmm. So... <clears throat> what you were talking about was how people have to be convinced of something in their own conscience. That um, when they get saved, they are now a baby and they need spoon-fed a little bit more than someone who's a toddler. And then again, than someone who's a child. Right. And as they grow to be an adult, they learn how to feed themselves. And right. so you're trying to get them to the point where they can feed themselves eventually. Um, but... Uh, when you were saying that the person has to be convinced of some things in their own conscience, I was thinking about my four-year-old little girl because mm-hmm. she's beyond a lot of the time. She's beyond the stage of, because I told you so. Right. You know, my two-year-old is still in that stage where that's the only explanation he really needs. But my four-year-old needs more of an explanation than that. Right. She needs to be convinced that there is danger in the road before, you know, she's willing to listen to what I have to say, which seems ridiculous but when you're a four-year-old, it's not. Mm-hmm. And you have to meet people where they are, you know. How has that been for you as an American going into a totally different culture, trying to learn how to meet people where they are? Because you maybe earlier on especially you didn't have as much of an understanding of the culture. So how was it for you trying to find out where people are in, in that culture? What, what's that like for you? Um, I, I think I had I had the benefit of getting acquainted with the culture early in life, um, but I, I see I see other people falling into certain traps um, that I recognize as traps because I, I see my own tendency to want to uh, or I guess to slide into uh, that type of reaction. Um, what what typically would happen is you, you see someone doing something that you think there's a better way mm-hmm. to do it. Um, I remember I was, I was, we were laying tile in our house and I was trying to, um, I was trying to teach the, the Dominican guys that were laying the tile, uh, teach them how to lay the tile with, uh, the way we would do it in the States. And, Using a really thin layer of, of thin set mortar, um, and and laying the tile on an already uh, plain subfloor that mm-hmm. was already flat, no no curves, uh, and they the way they did it was they they ran a string line um, for the cor- first course of tile wherever they were going to lay that, and they would level each tile Good individually, um, and. And they would lay the whole floor like that with a very thick layer of, of mortar made out of uh, cement and sand. So I, I got a lesson uh, that day um, because we, 
we struggled all day long trying to lay that tile. We had to to pull it up several times uh, because there was there there were air bubbles trapped underneath mm-hmm. the tile. It was obvious that there were hollow spots, um, and we had we had poured uh, a flat floor, and we were setting the tile, and we could not get it to to be right. Um, and so I gave up, and I, I think that's. Um, an interesting way to, to look at it. I, I gave up and decided to let them do it how they knew how to do it. And they did a good job. It took them maybe a little bit longer than, than someone laying tile uh, in the States would, would, would take. But they did, they did an adequate job. It looked good. Um, and they did it their way. And the end product is, is at the end, all that matters. Um, as Americans uh, going into another culture, myself as an American going into another culture, um, I tend to see and have things stand out uh, to me that are different, and and I automatically assume that 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 might not be the best way. And different is bad, right? Because because different is is not what I'm used to, mm-hmm. and so it's 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 a stretch for someone going into another culture um, and and to not assume that different is is not the right way um, it, it's it's easy to to think that you know the best way um, when when really there's a lot of things in life that really don't matter how you do it you can things might take more time hmm. and for a lot of people in a lot, in a lot of cultures, that's just part of life, and that's how they that's how they do certain tasks. Sure, um, and and they are content with that. They're okay with that. Mm-hmm. If you can help them to, to be more efficient uh, and, and teach them to to improve, uh, if you do it in the right way, they'll appreciate it because they will see the fruit of that. Um, but along the way, it's easy to do it in the wrong way. It's easy for them to feel. Like you are are basically telling them that they're they're wrong, uh, and and that's never never good on a relational level. It, it doesn't build rapport. It, sure. it makes them feel like they have to uh, defend themselves. So um, we have to be careful with 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 that and, and res- respect uh, the way they do things mm-hmm. and find it interesting because it, it it's very interesting how how people do things differently. Um, they look at life differently. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things, uh, so we have to be students of, of them and learn their culture, learn how they do things, um, and not assume that because they do it different, it's the wrong way or we not have, the best way. We have a, a tendency in the states, and really, I, I think across um, first world cultures in general, um, in church, to have a set way that we've done things for years and years and years and years, and we just assume that we do that because it's biblical. Um, and it's not that it's necessarily anti-biblical. We've had this conversation on this podcast as well about how um, we have to take everything and compare that by the Scripture. And if the Scripture doesn't say, then we shouldn't make that a hill to die on. Mm-hmm. Right? So it, it, when you're crossing a culture, there are going to be significant differences in the way that people do things. For instance, you go into a Japanese church, and nobody's going to have shoes on, right? And we might think that's really strange. And we, we might even be feel rather uncomfortable about taking our shoes off. 
But if you don't take your shoes off, you're going to offend everybody in the building Mm -hmm. and you're not going to have any kind of impact on them. Um, And I think when we are soul winning or when we are trying to reach someone who's been steeped in the world um, for a long period of time and we have this tendency to come in and just wrecking ball the place Mm -hmm. and, um, and it's not effective and it's never going to be effective because you, you, you have to meet a person where they are and then say, okay, this way of doing things isn't biblical, but what is my response? And is my response going to be biblical? Christ didn't wrecking ball people. He came to where they were, and he worked with them through it. And, uh, you know, it's interesting to see even things like uh, after Christ had ascended into heaven, and then in, in, in Acts you have Peter preaching. And the learned men said that he spoke differently. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think that that happened overnight? No. You know, he's still a sailor. He still has never had any professional training, but he spent a whole lot of time with somebody who invested in him and mm-hmm. cared about him and didn't run him off because he couldn't speak the way he was supposed to speak and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, we do have to be a bit more intentional about, like you said, learning who they are, why they do what they do, and then comparing that with scripture and then making those decisions on we need to work on this and we need to work on that. And maybe we don't need to leave. We'll just leave that alone because I can't find it in scripture, you know? And um, no, I think that's really good. And I think it's really all we have time for uh, today. I would love to just sit here and talk forever, but um, that is, I think that's all we're going to have time for today. So uh, again, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast and uh, thank you listener for listening. And if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to us and I'll give you the information to do that in the sting. But thanks again so much for listening to this, this uh, episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of General Order 4. On the next episode, we're going to continue our discussion about discipleship. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us by email at generalorder4 at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R. Or on Twitter, at General Order the number 4. Please like, share, and subscribe.